You are listening to the Marty Leeds Math Magical Radio Hour, where we discuss myth, math, spirituality, philosophy, science, and so much more. www.martyleeds33.com Our guest tonight is author, astrologer, and researcher Mark Knight from the YouTube channel Wakey Wakey, and our musical guest is the PB Underground. If you dig what you're listening to and you want to hear more, the best way to support my efforts is to head on over to my Patreon site and provide a monthly donation. The link is provided at martyleads33.com, where you can find books, music, interviews, and videos with much more content in the works. You can download the entire first season of this podcast on iTunes, and please like, subscribe, and share. And now, on with the show. Mark Knight, thanks for joining me. Uh, Absolute pleasure, Marty. Um, I'm glad we're getting to connect. Um, I think the first video I ever saw I caught of yours was the one that you did on the the Dark Rift one, which was yeah, yeah the the Dark Rift and the Cataclysm one. I think that was uh, the first one I saw. It was pretty pretty fantastic. I, I really enjoyed that one. So you've been doing uh, videos for quite a while now, right? Yeah, yeah, about not that long. I've actually been writing blogs and books for about eight years, but the videos has only been happening for about eighteen months. And you pretty much got started that when you got into the flat Earth stuff, right? Yeah, it was a bit of a synchronicity, really. I I was into the flat Earth. I'd written some articles that went super viral, and there was a guy on my land, and he was a video maker. And I said, "Oh, can you teach me how to use this software?" And that's how I came about doing the first video, which was a just sort of a flat Earth introduction. Yeah, where where are you at? You said you, you're in a little cabin, right? Yeah, I'm in I'm in the mountains in southern Spain. Uh, I think about yeah about eight years ago, I worked a lot of things out through the study for my first book, and I decided to get off grid and I decided not to pay tax again. These were things I wanted to do. I mean, there's a lot of people online moaning about the system, but not taking any action. I thought it was better to take action and not to shout about it too much. You know, I really wanted to get away from this system after I worked out, you know, about the money and about, you know, 9-11, London bombings and things like this. I just had to get out. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I don't want to, like, delve in too much of this, but, like, um, like how do you, do you have a full-time job or is it, I mean, do you commute into town or, like, you know? No, your... I mean, uh, that was another thing about eight years ago. I wanted my life to be my work. I didn't want this because for years I had a career and my life was sort of like there's a big wall. You have your work life, then you have your free time. And it's like living two separate lives. And I'd had enough of it. So what I wanted to do, I wanted to synergize and just follow my passion, which was really writing and investigating and researching. And uh, I just wanted that to synergize and become my life. So at the moment, I've got to a stage where my work is my life. It's sort of one thing. So I'm doing some flat earth astrology. I think I'm the only flat earth astrologer on the earth which is quite good in a way (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, so I'm doing things like that. I'm renting out some yurts and uh, yeah. That's yeah. that's cool. So did you have like sort of like a corporate life and then just kind of left that or what? Or, or... Yeah, it's very much like that, Marty. I had a corporate life in industrial software. I had a full-on career for 12 years. And one day I just stood up and I said, I'm walking out. And they thought I was joking. And I, I just walked out. <laughs> so what was, was what was the spark? Because, I, I mean, I, I picked up your book, that uh, Trinity of Wisdom, and you had written that in, I guess, 2010, right? Yeah. yeah. So what was what was the trajectory there from, you know, having was, the corporate job, the spiritual pursuit, and then all of a sudden cracking and like, all right, I'm out. I always knew in my soul this was the system was nonsense, but I didn't know what else there was. It was a few catalysts. I'd started researching some stuff. Uh, I remember at, at this corporate life, two old guys in their late fifties were talking about, oh, only another two years to our till we retire and get our pension. And I looked at them and I thought, oh my God, that's going to be me. <laughs> I thought, no way. And also at the time, I was starting to get some holistic thera- holistic treatments such as Reiki. And that really started to move some energy. I started meditating, doing the odd fast, and this all synergized into me standing up and walking out. Huh. Yeah, because the one, the book that I have, you said that you did a a, a fifty five day like fast or something like that, right? That you would. Yeah, you want, can you talk about that two. a little bit? Yeah, I've done two of them. It was in a sort of mystery school condition. I mean, a lot of a lot of people in the truth movement are really like, oh, mystery school, nasty, bad, evil. Mm-hmm. But it's not like that. There's a lot of light out there. There's a lot of beautiful wisdom out there. And in one experience, we did a 55-day silent meditation fast. And I've done that twice. Yeah, and this is a, this is the biggest, you know, it's an amazing journey. Amazing journey. So we, can you talk a little bit about that? Like what, I mean, did that what was like the ups and downs of that? Did you kind of go crazy a little bit? Did you, I mean, as far as like, I mean, you know, 55 days, that's pretty intense. Most people, I mean, I think the the biggest fast I've ever done is like seven. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could talk about it for hours really. I mean, it's really a form of Merkava mysticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did, it was 50 days theory before. So it wasn't just like, okay, off you go 50 days silent fast. There was 50 days of sort of hermetic teachings before. So in that, in that 50 days silence, what happens is your personality falls off, your w- words and communication fall off. You balance your emotions and your past and any any crud inside you. And you just keep going. And yeah, you do go crazy. I think day eight and day nine, I had massive wobbles. Like Because your soul and yourself wants answers and it pins you up against the wall and you've got nowhere to hide. Because in today's world, people are using their smartphones and the internet and their friends, da 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 da. They've got very busy lives because they know that when they stop everything, the self wants some answers. The self wants a better direction in life. The self wants to heal. And people are covering that up. But in a 50 day silent fast, you've got, you got nowhere to go, mate. Yeah, you're you're yeah. pinned up against the wall. But you have days of, of bliss, you have days of torment, you know, deep inner torment. But then you sort of break through it. You have to work and you break through it around day 30, day 40. And then then you're in a state of non-duality almost. Mm-hmm. It's very, very beautiful. And I've written about the nuts and bolts of Merkava mysticism in in that book. Yeah, you write about it pretty pretty extensively. So, okay, um, 
So you live, I mean, you, I don't want to say like monastic life or whatever, but obviously you, you're like sort of divorced yourself from a lot of the things that you, like you were saying, the cell phones and stuff like that. How do you juggle that, that sort of life? Because obviously you still want to be connected with people through Facebook and, and, and that sort of stuff. Like how much of that is sort of a struggle now? Or do, are, you, are you slowly trying to yeah. move away from it or what? I'm online far too much, Marty. I mean, really, I really need some digital detox. Uh, last winter, what I did, I went to India for a few months. I mean, I, I sort of was doing some filming out there. I made a Vedic flat earth documentary, but I just had to get away from the internet. And like, I could have just turned the router off, really. <laughs> but uh, I just ran to India for a few months because, as you know, you get so many emails every day and comments and it can be draining, you know. Yeah, it can I'm, be overwhelming. So, do you? Okay, so I I I spent some time away from Facebook. I think I took a couple months off and just kind of moved away from the internet quite a bit. Like I, it wasn't really active on my YouTube and that sort of thing. And then coming back to it, it was like um, this was just like a month or two ago or whatever. And then coming back to it, it was like pretty. It was kind of refreshing. It was like oh cool, awesome. Get to connect with people again. Get to share things and stuff like that. But I'm almost like now I'm like you know a month and a half in on the other side of it. I'm like already kind of sick of it. <laughs> just because yeah. there's really so. I mean, I don't know how I feel about it. It's like you. It, it's a barrage of information. It's almost like and and the negativity is just so obtuse Perfect. sometimes. It's just hard to deal with. Yeah, this is a really interesting point. I've spoke about this before. When you go to your news feed, basically Facebook doesn't take you to your home page where it's all like still and calm. It takes you to this thing called the news feed where you are machine gunned a barrage of information from it could be, oh, someone's had a child. Here's an elephant getting shot. Here's police beating someone up. Here's your crown chakra being blasted. Here's it's just like a barrage of the full spectrum and your subconscious really doesn't like it. It doesn't like it. Your whole biorhythm of your being doesn't like it. Like you don't go to night school and say, oh, I want a course that just barrages me, barrages me with like 500 different subjects in 10 minutes. You go, you go and learn something, a subject, and you sit with that subject for a while. That's kind of normal human behavior. But this news feed thing is, is a very toxic thing. And it's really messing people up, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, okay. So a lot of the stuff you you do is uh, you, you've been focusing on flat Earth, and obviously, you, you know, you were talking about you kind of broke away from the system. You did the fifty five day fast thing a couple times, that sort of thing, and then you went. I mean, obviously, this book, uh, Trinity of Wisdom, it's Truth, Philosophy, and Hermetic Alchemical Kabbalah. You talk about a ton of different stuff in there, like tarot. You talk about Hermeticism, alchemy, obviously Kabbalah, and that sort of stuff. Where are you now? You know, researching that 2010, I'm guessing prior to Flat Earth, and then yeah. now coming into Flat Earth, how, what's your relationship with that stuff? I, I mean, I have a meditation TP, and I, I try and go in there every day. I pretty much do go in there every day. So I still, I mean, I'm not as full on, full on as I was six years ago. I was living up another mountain six years ago, and I was practicing pretty deeply alone daily, hermeticism. Uh, but now I'm more chilled, more rounded, more balanced. So I'll do uh, I'll do a little morning practice for 20 minutes, and I'll do a little meditation in the evening, 20, 25 minutes. That's where I'm at now. I still use tarot, and of course I'm an astrologer, so that's professionally. So I still dabble in astrology quite a lot. But there is synergy between flat Earth because at at this mystery school, I started to have dreams, and I had these dreams for eight years of like a ball puncturing or eggs cracking or bicycle wheels flattening 
I had these dreams shown to me many different ways of a, a ball or a circle becoming flat or punctured. And I couldn't work out these dreams until I w- woke up to flat earth. And it wasn't like, hey, you should get a bike or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> Come down from the mountain, grab it. <laughs> so so um, the astrology part, that's interesting. I didn't know that you – like do, do you teach astrology or do you just like um, – I mean do you go over astrological charts or – Yeah, I look at people's charts and, and then just sort of give them a reading and that sort of thing. Huh? I give them a manual, bespoke, customized reading which is uh, handwritten. Well, it's, uh, it's typed but it's not done using any computer software, mm-hmm. any auto auto compilation software. And I give them like an 18-page document, and then I talk to them. Yeah, I've been doing it for quite a few years. Uh, I made a video because when I was waking up to Flat Earth, I was like, oh, my God, what does this do to astrology? And I did a deep, I think it was like a month study, and I made a video. And uh, I believe all Western astrologers on the spinning ball have some big errors in their in their methods. And I've explained that in a video called Flat Earth Astrology. It's on YouTube. Can you point out uh, some of those things? Because this is something I've been actually yeah, been really, really focused on lately is that, okay, you know, when we, we look at modern astrological charts, obviously it's a flat plane. The, you know, the planets yeah. move around it. The, the Earth is in the center. It's geocentrism. I mean, yeah, and totally. it always has been, you know, that's which is really interesting, number one. But number – the other thing I was, interesting, was interested in is that when you look at a lot of these astrological charts, they talk about – Chiron and they talk about Pluto and they talk about that but when you actually look at traditional astrology it was basically just the heaven the seven, seven heavenly planets. bodies yeah and so yeah. you just yeah. focus on those the squares that sort of stuff I right? focus on the seven heavenly planets uh, I do have a little I, I do talk about Pluto Uranus and Neptune but I say to my clients treat these as a small breeze coming through your chart like they're not affecting much because they're so small they're such small luminaries in the sky okay so here are the differences with the flat earth astrology um, First, one can i'm sorry yeah, can sorry. i stop you one one sure, second sure. there before you go on um okay so what about i mean the actual existence of these like i know pluto the can you know that that's in contention because apparently you know nasa is the only one that can tell us about us i mean i, I believe that there's um independent uh, astronomers that have seen you know uranus and, and that sort of thing but where are you with that i mean do you feel like pluto's still there or, or what these are very faint lights in the sky mm-hmm. that move separately to the stars. Therefore, they're wandering stars. Therefore, mm-hmm. they fall into sort of planet genre. Okay. That's how I see them. So like okay. Venus is a very bright light in the sky. Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto are very, very dim lights in the sky. But they don't fall into the star bracket because they don't move with the stars. They move independently, hence they're wandering stars, hence they're planets in, in modern terms. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because, I mean, that's what planets mean, right? Just wandering stars, right? I think it comes from Greek. Sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. So did have you read um, this, um, what I think it's Jeffrey Green, I want to say? He did, he did a book on Pluto, like evolutionary astrology. I know he's been kind of – I mean I, I think he might be dead now. I'm, I'm not sure honestly. But I know that his book sort of forefronted the like modern-day evolutionary astrology and which kind of breaks off from tradition of that traditional seven planets. So I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with that guy's work at all. No, I'm not. I mean I okay. tend to stay clear of any spiritual stroke, astrological stroke, hermetic books written in the last 20 years yeah. because there's so many shills around. I don't know who to trust. If I go back to the 1800s and early 1900s, there's a lot of really good material, and I know it's pretty safe. 
Okay. Cool. Okay, so um, let, let's get back to what you were talking about before that you were going to uh, mm-hmm. talk about the the flat Earth um, astrology video. Um, can you yeah touch on that a little so bit? I did this study and like, wow, maybe this messes up astrology, but it doesn't because, like you say, the astrology charts are all based on a flat Earth system. Now, the house systems, nearly all of them, go in the bin because they're based on spinning globes, so they just go straight in the bin. And what you're left with is the equal house system. Now, I don't put too much emphasis on the house systems like a lot of modern astrologers. I put more emphasis on planets in signs and on aspects. And here's the bigger change. I'll try and explain it. It's a little bit complex for some people new to astrology. So most people think Jupiter's really big and say Venus is small and Mercury is small. Most astrologers think Saturn's really big and Mercury's really small. And they think the moon's really small. So what they do with their aspects, when they say there's no position or square, they these other astrologers, well, every astrologer, except for me, says, oh, there's a square, or there's an opposition, or there's a trine aspect. But they're wrong, because it's not in opposition yet, because Jupiter's not that big. So what they're saying is, with the orbs, these are called orbs, it's the ray of opposition, the ray of aspects from a planet. So these astrologers are saying, this planet is so big, but when you fall opposite it, you know, it's a big ray across across the flat plane, across the Earth. Mm-hmm. What I'm doing is I'm shrinking all the planets because I look up. I don't see Jupiter as being bigger than Venus. There's no evidence at all to say Jupiter is bigger than Venus. It's not. It's a light in the sky. And for me, they're the, they're the same distance away. So what I've, I've done, I've made the aspects much more accurate. I get much less aspects from my clients, but the aspects I do get are much more potent and much more accurate. So that's the major two changes, the house system and the accuracy of aspects due to orb changes. Okay, so when when you deal with, I didn't know we were going to get on astrology here, but it's so cool because no, I, no, no. I didn't even. I mean, I knew you were in astrology, but I didn't know that you, you know, you dealt with the flat Earth and the seven, all of that sort of stuff. So, um, so when you discuss astrology with somebody, um, do you steer away from? Because I know a lot of people have an issue, or at least I have an issue with people prophesizing somebody's future. You know that sort of thing. What? How do you approach that? You know, like yeah, I'll sure. do. You know, you know, you know what I'm trying to ask there. Like, how... yeah, I I don't really look at someone's future. I believe the charts are blueprint of like the soul in this carnation, so I can sort of see what's going on with this soul matrix as it came here. What are possibly the repeating lessons and events? What are the talents? Where is balance and where is imbalance? So, for instance, someone could come into this carnation astrologically heavy in earth energy, but not much air. Or someone can come with a lot of fire and water. So there's the four elements within astrology. You can look at someone's uh, yeah, you can look at someone's talents and their their imbalances and where they're missing energy, where they have to learn, where their evolutional call is, and it's super accurate. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it, it's not like like Vedic astrology is more like oh, I'm going to tell your future. You're going to have three children. You're going to have a good yeah. job. I'm not into that nonsense. I'm not into that sort of fortune telling nonsense. But dude, that would make you a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, I know. I could get a little caravan. You could you could get back off the mountain, go and get yourself a nice BMW. And... <laughs> yeah, and a better solar system. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. So. What 
when you when obviously you when you get when you got into astrology and you started doing this sort of flatter thing, have you done your own chart and like kind of looked at it, you know, yeah. with new eyes? And and what has that said? It just cuts down the aspects. It just yeah, I mean, the house system changed my chart because obviously any astrologer uses their own chart for learning, really. Mm -hmm. It made some energies more potent and some energies lessen. That's what the flat earth changing did because before the flat earth, I had all these aspects in my chart. After the flat earth changes were put in, I had less aspects. So some fell away and became lesser and some became more potent. Wow. Um Let's move on to let's talk about flat Earth a little bit because um, obviously yeah. you've you've dealt with that quite a bit. Um, one of the things that's really bothered me, and I think you talked about this in one of the last you know four or five videos you did. You actually covered it pretty extensively about a lot of the the people in sort of the you know what I call the the arc or the alternative research community or the you know truth community or whatever. These sort of like leaders, if you will, in the community that have you know research written books and stuff that have just become. You know, on this subject, have just it, you know, it's just crickets. It's just silent. You're not hearing anything, or they're just you know they're not discussing it, or the you know. And one of the ones I was actually um, you know thinking about was Graham Hancock. I think you addressed him particularly. What yeah. this this um, is very it just bothers me. It just really does. As somebody who's you know you've been doing this for like you said eight years, I've been doing this five six myself to kind of watch this whole thing you know transpire. And it just, it just really it just really bugs me that these people are not willing to come out and discuss this. How I mean, where how do you feel about this? Obviously, you, you made a video about this, but do you see like a lot of these researchers going that way? Because it doesn't really seem like a lot of them are coming out. No, but this is yeah. I did this wrote I spoke about this in the musings episode one video, and uh, yeah, basically a lot of these big truth seeker heavyweights <laughs> they're too invested. They're selling books. They've got massive followings based on aliens, stroke UFOs, stroke other planets, stroke spinning globes, mm -hmm. and they're not they're not humble enough to say, "Hey, I was wrong." And that takes a real man to do that. Say, hey, I was wrong, guys, you know, and I've written all this and I was wrong and that's okay and I'll lose loads of followers. But a lot of these guys, like, you know, they live in nice houses, they've got nice cars, they fly around. They don't want to let go of that lifestyle and they don't want to let go of all the adoration from their followers. So they're quite happy. And it's great because we're getting to see who the real truth seekers are because mm -hmm. it's a natural barometer. I mean, it's – I don't – some of them don't even mention it. I mean, like Nassim Haramain. I mean, wow, this is a guy who's like the new age, the new age astrophysicist guy, really cool quantum physics man. And for me, he's a total shill. And uh, he hasn't even come out and mentioned Flat Earth. I mean, surely this guy should come out and mention Flat Earth. Uh, apparently he has. I had heard from somebody that he had he had came out. It's I mean, just obviously made fun of it. You know, it was just sort of this passing yeah. joke like, oh, the Flat Earth, you know, and everybody sort of laughed and that was it. Um, you know, funny enough, I, I actually did a tour across Canada and he was, uh, he was, um, part of that tour. Mm. And, um, I think we were in Calgary or something like that. And I was actually at a table we had, we were having dinner with him and I, I had brought up flat earth at the whole table. Cause it was at this point, I hadn't even made a video on it yet, but I was, you know, I was pretty invested in it at this point and I brought yeah. it up and. And it was it was hilarious because it was like immediate like you could tell like they were just angry you know it was like and and basically what I I just brought up I was like hey man okay whatever that's fine I'm not gonna push it or whatever but you know what let's use the scientific method here you know if you're just gonna say that this is all horseshit well then hey let's just let's just talk about it but as I found that pursuit or that 
hasn't gotten me far with a lot of these people, which I just, I don't know. I'm just, it's just upsetting. That's all, you know, it's very upsetting. And also we could say, how come no big or no big astronomers have come out, you know, guys with massive telescopes, no astrophysicists have come out. It just shows we're in a very deep mind control conditioned reality at the moment. People with, let's say bright, sharp minds can be very mind controlled, you know? It just seems like the truth, the online YouTube truth seekers are the are the modern great sages at the moment. <laughs> Which is funny. Yeah, it, it is funny, right? Because it's like <laughs> it's the it's the it's you know if you said five years ago that's you know people online were going to be changing the face of astronomy and astrology and and physics and things like that. Yeah. But that's really what it is. Like people make fun of people that are like, oh, you're in your mom's basement, you know you know, making YouTube videos that you're not a scientist, yeah. but actually they're doing more science than what we see, you know, that's being, you know, displayed to us by. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Someone said to me recently, Oh, you get your information from YouTube. I said, yeah, where I learned how to fix my car, fix my cooker and yeah. make a solar system. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> what that's I love it. about flat earth. That's one reason why I've done so much work within the flat earth is because it really wakes people up to the divine reality and not from any dogma or siloed religion it wakes people up to divine reality from what they see every day. So people are looking up at the moon and they're going, wow. People are looking at a sunset and they're going, wow. People are looking at trees and they're going, wow. Mm -hmm. And that's really powerful. Yes. I've also found that it seems to, um, I, I mean, it, it's, it's impact, you know, it's made people very passionate, obviously, which is great. And obviously it's drawn people to a spiritual life, but I've also seen that it's sort of like backed up a lot of irrational beliefs with a lot of people too. And I don't know if you've seen that a lot, because I mean, I'll go to a page and next thing you know, like somebody's yelling at you because you either, you know, eat meat or you're part of a, I mean, whatever it is, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's like, wait, wait a second, wait a second, you know, five months ago before you even knew any of this stuff, it's like, we could have probably had a conversation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I talked about this recently. I don't think I think race is changing. I mean, we're we're starting to group by uh by information. Like the vegan lot are like together. They're like almost becoming a race. And the you know yeah. the truth is we're flat earth. Yeah, it's not know, like black and white or anywhere. It's not like yeah. Asians and like yeah yeah. It's like are you a flat so, earther or yeah? Yeah, I was yeah. playing with that notion the other day. Yeah, but a lot of people waking up to flat earth. They're, it's quite interesting. The people who come in cold, the people who don't know about the banks and 9-11 or GMOs, people who come in, they're totally in the matrix and they wake up to flat earth. Like their whole world falls apart. It's really quite, fu quite fun and interesting to view this because all of a sudden they stop believing the government, the university, the school teachers, everything falls away real quick. And it's almost too much in one go. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. Well, I mean, do you think that there's – because there, it is so much to deal with really because of the implications of everything, obviously. Like you open that door and next thing you know, you're opening a lot more doors. And I know <laughs> – yeah. like you know, I've said this too. Like I know people that are just like not spiritually, mentally, you know, financially, whatever it is, in the place to even deal with it sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's almost like it's a step-by-step -step process. If you haven't gone to – you know, this conspiracy or this conspiracy, this, this one might be too big for you, you know, but yeah. you know, then at the same time, it's just like, well, I don't know. There's so much information out there now that it's not, I, I mean, I would, I would say if I was going into this now, as I did a year and a half ago or whatever it was, I think it was probably a lot easier to do that now, just because of the amount. Like, I mean, one of the things is the mountain of evidence that I've heard a lot and that's really what it is. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone who, who starts looking at flat Earth is, I think it's 99.9% become flat Earthers. It's only like, the only one I know of that did a U-turn was Tiger Dan, and he's, you know, quite shilly. Yeah, the I mean. The Tiger Dan, what did he do? And he is was he... big, he came into the flat Earth, made loads of videos, la la la, uh -huh. uh, a lot of subscribers, big Christian guy. And then he just one day said, nope, it's not flat, it's sphere, I was wrong. And then just went away. It's all very strange. I think it might be something like his mum got to him and said, look, this doesn't look good in the in the community. Can you uh, go back on this? I don't know. Something happened to him, but it didn't seem pure. It didn't seem like, oh, I've done some more study and it's definitely a sphere. It seemed a bit dodgy. Wow. Where, where do you see Flat Earth going, Marty? Because it's sort of plateaued at the moment, hasn't it? There's more videos coming out, but they're all sort of, you know, saying more proofs. Where do you see it going? I, you know, I tell you what. I'm not. I don't really mean this, but I'm. I'm almost bored with it now. <laughs> I'm not bored with it, but you, you get what I mean. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard I've, it. I've heard it. I've you know, talked. and I've also know that I've dealt with enough in the social sphere that I know it's not. There are people that are just not going to. You had posted that thing that um, it was two people having dinner and there was this big ass elephant, and then the elephant just said flat Earth, and those people just you know it's a big elephant in the room. No one's talking about it, right? You know. Uh, that's what it that's where it is like you know i yeah. mean i'll bring a flat earth and i'll just see people turn a blind eye and that's it you know they well they say this is one i really like they say well mm -hmm. it doesn't matter anyway what shape it is they don't understand the paradigm shift you know what's you know what's so frustrating too is like okay the average every day like i've got a friend that that i you know we actually talked a little bit online um and i was like hey you know just check out one of my videos or whatever on the flat earth thing and he was just like yeah that's fine you know but i don't really know what good that would do for me you know it just seems like a lot of negativity to know that we've been lied to totally. so it was like yeah and i mean there's a lot of people out there that are like that it's like okay so you know that we're possibly being lied to you know that this could be true but you're not going to look into it because well it could not be possible. a bit you know <laughs> I, so i don't i, I I don't know where it's going and I don't really know anything what to, you know, to do with it. You know, at least for me is like the work that I do. It's like, yeah, I've touched on it and I talk about it because it's, it's extremely important. But at this point, like I've, you know, released a couple other videos that I don't really even talk about it in because. Yeah. You know, yeah. If you've got it integrated into your life, there's really, that's it. That's all you can do. And then yeah. you just skip along evolve and do your thing and you know live your life so do you think it's i mean it's going to come to a head at some point because it's not like it's i mean maybe for a guy like you and i or whatever it's it just is where it is but there are some people that I haven't even investigated yet so obviously the numbers are growing you know what's gonna growing, yeah. yeah what's gonna happen with that i don't well, you know i think in a year or two i think some dude somewhere is gonna have big budget because there's a lot of there's a lot of wealthy people out there with finance, and sooner or later some guy's going to say, right, I want to throw a million at this. And I was thinking, I was a project manager once for a few years, and I was thinking of doing a little video saying, right, here's a project edge, project edge, E D J, exploration with drones and jets. And I was thinking of doing a video saying, look, I got some project management qualifications, blah blah blah. I want a million dollars. I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing like two, three grand on Kickstarter, a little poxy balloon. I want a million and I'm going to get military drones with Wi-Fi, cameras, live stream. And I'm going to peck them like north of Alaska, south of Chile and just fire like six military drones in a few different directions and live stream it. But this will cost like a million. Mm -hmm. Maybe get a couple of private jets in there too. <clears throat> because I think, I think in a year or two, someone's going to want to throw some serious money at it. That's what I think is going to happen. But here's another thing. I think 
I think there's parts of the elite that want this to come out. Okay, so that was something I was going to ask you about too. So can you expound on that a little bit? They're, the Flat Earth videos are being recommended down the side on YouTube like yes. to loads load of people. I mean, my Edge of Awakening documentary, you know, like your documentary got massive and one of mine got to near 300,000 and it, it just got recommended all the time on the strip on the right-hand side. So YouTube were pushing it. I mean, someone went into the Tor browser on a brand new laptop did some research said mark your stuff's really being pushed by youtube and this is happening with a lot of other people i mean they could easily with a couple of lines of code like calm down flat earth mm-hmm. they could really calm it down but it's like there's parts within the elite there's like a maybe a faction fight some of them are pushing nasa and some of them are pushing flat earth it's very interesting Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like, okay, so, you know, people, the, one of the first things we obviously all heard when this came out was, oh, this is a psyops. You know, this is, this is the, a government thing to, um, you know, obviously divide and conquer things. And I actually said at one point, you know, e- you know, even if flat earth, you know, this long before, you know, flat earth being true, they could use that truth to divide people just because they've already lied to people. So like you were saying, like they could have released this or are promoting it in one way to more divide and conquer kind of thing. It, and it does yeah. seem like you do have this push towards it because there seems to be, at least from my perspective, a huge dehumanization campaign that's going on right now worldwide, across across the globe, if you will. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that to me is like, you know, when we talk about all the things that are important to discuss, obviously that's one of the one of the big ones. And I can see why people get angry, like, hey, man, there's all this shit that's going on in the world and you're talking about the shape of the, the earth, you know. At the same time, I think that they miss the fact that, hey, what the shape of the earth does is brings with it all of this other stuff that includes all the things you're bitching about. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. It, it They love polarizing. They love polarizing groups of people and they've definitely polarized the truth movement. Mm-hmm. It's really, I mean, they're like a few steps ahead of us. It's like a big game of chess, multi-layer game of chess. And, the, you know, this elite, I mean, I'll give it to them. They are very smart. They are a few steps ahead of us. All we can do is keep trying to, you know, chase their toes. Okay, so what what do they know? This is the question, you know, like how, there, there's, there, there seems to be this thing that it's like, okay, there's obviously this bloodline, lineage group of individuals that are passing on information about what this plane of existence is and that knowledge is going to be guarded forever as long as they have it you know so from your own you know obviously intellectual musings and the spiritual side and all of that stuff what do you think that it is that they know you know what i mean yeah i mean from research you can sort of go back to the i think it's the 1300s where the knights templar they found something in the middle east during the Crusades, they found some knowledge or something. And then throughout the next few centuries, they started signing up all the banking families, the royalty, and some, they, they know something. And then they started interbreeding, and this is where the American presidents come from, da 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 This is all quite common knowledge, but they know something, and we don't know what it is. And it's highly likely to do with our cosmology and the creation of our cosmology that's what i would i would allude to at this moment there there seems to be this sort of thing that happens throughout history of whoever's in power manipulating or erasing that history 
And there seems to be a strong, you know, that is, seems to be a strong motif. And we even have, I think it ha- it's happening right now, obviously. I mean, we have this completely manipulated historical timeline. You know, <laughs> people are losing sense of culture. People are losing sense of where they come from, that sort of thing. You know, um, I, I, I think that if, you know, you can erase that history, then you can create whatever future you, you see. Totally. I mean, you just go to England, you go to London. There's, there's, no, there's no Londoners in London. I mean, I'm not being racist. I'm telling you a fact. It's mm-hmm. like you go to London. There's no Cockneys. There's no Londoners in London, and the the percentage of actual English piece, people in London is less than forty percent. And so what you got there is you you're killing a lot of heritage. You're yeah. killing a lot of roots. And this is clever. And then if you say anything about that, it's like, oh, you're a racist. You're you know. So it's all very clever. And I spoke about this in uh, the Musings episode two. I went deep into this subject. And yeah, they're, they're, they're killing history, they're killing roots, they're killing tradition, they're killing community. Like in England, I think 43 pubs are shutting every week in England. And the local pub where men get together and chat, this is being abolished because they don't want people meeting up, especially young men, you know, getting together and chatting because it's dangerous for the elite because people start talking. So what they did, they upped the price of alcohol. And they put really cheap alcohol in supermarkets, so people are at home drinking beer, watching TV. It's all this is all planned. This is all by design. So who is who is responsible? So many people I've seen. It's you know it's either you know I get the Jesuits, I get the Jews, I get the Masons, I get the Vatican. You know it's just like whatever. I mean you just get this barrage of people that just place blame on and things. And I always see at least from like studying the occult and that sort of you know that sort of world that it's that the true like evil doesn't have any allegiance to anything it seems like it goes yeah, sure. beyond everything right i mean it's yeah. like the idea that like you know i mean obviously china is working with american people and american people are you know what i mean it's like so to say it's like one group or one thing it's seems one group a, yeah i think I'm, it's a bit of a psyop to say oh it's just the masons i think it's a bit of a psyop put online to say it's just the jews I think it's it's a small band of people with like some secret name, you know, some secret, secret, secret society, you know, that you're but never going to hear about. I mean, never you and I are never going to hear about that. And if we no. do hear about it, we're dead. Right. I mean, that that's how I see it anyway. Yeah, totally. And they're definitely into forms of occultism. They're definitely into some sort of omnipresence, clairvoyance there. They've got, yeah, they've got the whole place sewn up, really. I mean, military, media, money, food. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like we live in a sci-fi movie, you know? <laughs> it's getting that way more and more, too. It's just like every single day. I mean, that's when we t- you know, we started this kind of conversation about like the Facebook feed and stuff like that. It's just like you get this barrage of information. It's like every single day. It's just what new twisted thing is going to fill out the the plot of some movie that we're living right fucking now, you know? it's I know. It's crazy. I mean, <clears throat> I've had a lot of visions and dreams over the years of – of changes of of uh big waves sea uh floods and these have come not with any fear the dreams have come with a lot of love and bliss and humor even done in a humorous way and i know some mystics and they say and i feel i feel that change could come around 2020 2021 some mystics i know sort of say 2025 but when I project forward 10 years, I don't see ATM machines and universities being around. And I don't have any rational reason for that. That's just something I feel. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I mean, where where do you see it then? What, in place of that, what is there? Well, if something like that did happen, the system crumbled due to a cataclysmic event, a catalytic event, then there would be like 10, 10 years of sort of chaos, you know, just people trying to trying to get some food and sort out some local local harmony and things like that before the new sprouts of society would be reborn. And I am not like a doom and gloom kind of guy or anything like that, but that seems pretty damned inevitable. Like I don't really see – I see some sort – I mean I think most people feel that way too, that there seems to be some sort of collapse. Even if there's you know light on the other side of that, there has to be some sort of fundamental collapse to happen first. It, yeah. Yeah, it's like is, a wave, isn't it? It crashes before it goes out and a new wave comes. It's like that sort of energy. It do, everyone does feel that this is sort of like the end the end of this cycle, this sort of capitalistic cycle. And how how the next 10, 20 years play out, I don't know. But I think it's – I read a good quote recently. It says, make sure you're an observer and not a participant. I quite like this. So like being in the middle of a city, get you know – being really into fashion and culture probably isn't the best placement in a few years time yeah so when you i mean you talk about you you've talked to mystics 2020 2025 whatever it is you know where because a lot of this stuff when at least when you get into like the mysticism and the religion and stuff like that i know you covered some of this in that vedic documentary which you did which was great by the way i loved that um but you talk about like you know the cycles of time whether that's procession of the equinoxes or long spans of time that these cultures talk about and then you say okay well if that's true then where are we like i've gotten this question before so i mean i guess i'll just give that to you yeah well in the in the in the vedas they have the yugas Yes. Uh, and they say we're in the Kali Yuga at the moment. Now, some gurus, some yogis say have a different uh, – it can be interpreted different ways, these Yuga cycles. But generally, the most respected people will say we're in a dark cycle and it's going to get a bit darker before it goes up. But that doesn't mean you can't have a beautiful soul evolution and a beautiful existence in a dark time. Whereas in, say, near the Golden Age, your soul could have like – a pretty miserable time maybe it's like just because the scenery around you is kind of like a strange capitalistic decaying thing does, does, doesn't have to bring you down you can still find your power and find your purpose and be super vibrant and super shiny you know so I don't want people to get negative but yeah this is what the yugas say they say we're in a kind of materialistic non-spiritual time and it's gonna carry on before we come out of it you know, it's it's like you're the, the the captain of a ship, and the waters might be tumultuous, but if you know what you're doing, you're gonna be okay. Where some That's people great. just like they see the water around them splashing up on the deck, and they just freak the fuck out, and you know, and, and that kind of, or, or just ignore it and hope that the, you know they get through it or whatever. So. Um... Yeah, I think that's a pretty good analogy. Yeah. Yes, a great analogy. That's exactly. Yeah, yeah definitely. And uh, yeah, I mean, if things start getting wobbly economically or with uh, climate and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's up to each person to know what what they're going to do. So where where are you with? Um, I think you had mentioned that um, you did a video. I think like com- comedy philosophy or something like that was like one of the last ones. Um, yeah. And you had um, you had talked about like, well, you know what? Um, I just know the Earth is flat, or I know that I'm here, and that's about it. Like, what you know? Where are you with? Is there a dome? Is this infinite plane? Is this that sort of stuff? Do you concern yourself with a lot of that stuff? 
or like because I've I've heard somebody just put a, a video out recently and they talked about well the the portal to the next dimension is actually at the North Pole and that's why they're guarding that sort of thing you know what I mean and so I just kind of like where you are with some of those things yeah what I said in that musings video episode three was uh my name's Mark I don't know where I am and I'm completely cool with that. Because I really love my experience, and I really love this place, and well, it's like it's funny too because you didn't so know fun. where you were at prior to flat Earth. That's the funny thing. Like I was like, people talk about the edge of the universe. I don't fucking know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, well, I'm pretty. I mean, I'm not in the same place, but you know, pretty much the same thing. I don't know. You know, I, I think there's a fear with a lot of people of saying just that in and of itself. It's because a lot of people are super rational, and they need they need because the the ball Earth model. Mm. You have humans walking around, and they really do believe they know everything. Oh, you come from a monkey, we spin through space, gravity. And there are humans who've got no mysticism within them at all, no sense of wonder. They believe they know everything. And I see this as a little bit toxic. You know, Maybe a quarantine center should be opened up because it's kind of scary. So what you've got now is these people who've woken up to flat Earth, quote, unquote, mm-hmm. and they're like still in that rational, super rational mind, and they're like, I've got to know if there's done. I've got to know what's at the edge. And they're like, right, well, if I don't know, I've got to jump into one camp and wave a flag. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to just go, yeah, it could be a dome. I did, I'm, because I went to India and made a documentary about flat earth in India, looking at the scriptures, I'm, I, I'm very open to there being other land. I mean, these Vedic documents weren't written by idiots. They are very beautiful scriptures. Yes. And they all talk of other land. Mm-hmm. I find that interesting, but I'm not going to wave any flags, you know. I'm just going to present information and walk around with a happy smile, you know. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing because you have, like, you know, right above us in one respect is that, like, spiritual dimension. It's, you know, you're not going to touch the sun. You can't touch the stars. You can't touch the moon. And yet, and then we're down here in the material dimension where we can measure things. We can touch things. We can, you know, that sort Mm. of thing. And, you know... Down here, it seems fairly rational. Ratio, you know, we can measure things. Yeah. Up there, it might not be, you know, there might not be mechanics that you can completely understand. And that just might be the way it is. And That's I what think... it says in the Srimad Bhagavatam. It says, to know your cosmology is beyond your comprehension, and you can't know it from within it. It says, you know, sort of says, you puny human mind, you've got no chance of understanding your cosmology. There, You know... Like spiritually or whatever, you know, kind of undergoing a, a theological pursuit. There, a, a long time ago, I kind of came to this point of like an epistemological point of like, hey, um, there's just some shit you're not going to know. Like you're going to live and die on this plane and there's going to be a whole lot of stuff you don't know. And part of that process is actually just accepting that, right? There's a great few words. It's revel in the mystery. Like yeah. completely revel in the mystery and some especially the male mind a lot of men can't do this they they need to know everything because that's the way we were conditioned we were conditioned oh you know the gravity you know the monkeys do and when you just jump to reveling in the mystery it's people are like well what do you mean how do i do that so i'm big on that revel in the mystery look at the stars instead of going oh my god i don't know what's going on just go wow you know mm-hmm so is has there been a difference when you – I mean do you do a lot of stargazing and things like that? Obviously up on a mountain, that's what I'd be doing. So Yeah, um, I mean the, the stars are amazing up at, up at the mountain. There's no light pollution. It's Yeah, I do watch the stars. It's beautiful. Yeah, and I do it with a sense of wonder. I mean obviously I know different constellations give different energy and I know different wandering stars give different energy and I tend to usually know what's going on in the sky astrologically. But I can still look up with a complete sense of wonder because – those videos, and I'm sure you've seen them of stars, 
with these new telescopes yeah. they look like fractal geometric intelligence sort of pulsing have you ever seen the like orbs and pictures you ever yeah. seen those yeah to me that's what i saw when i when i first saw those i was you know i just thought i was like hey that kind of looks like one of those orbs that you'd see in pictures that you know yeah. is interesting i don't you know whatever take that for what it is but um i remember this was like way, you know, it was 2011, I want to say something like that. Um, I went hiking with a bunch of my friends, like five, six day, and we were in the Wind Rivers in uh, Wyoming. And we were at about 11,500 feet up. And, um, I mean, the stars were just unbelievable. I remember, and this was prior to Flat Earth, this is prior to me knowing any of this stuff. And I remember just laying back with my friend, and we were sipping on some, like, 50-year McKellen scotch and looking up at the milky way and it was like it felt like it was a few thousand miles away it i yeah. remember thinking very distinctly at that point and then there was obviously that sort of like emotional spiritual connection that i had with it but i just remember thinking at that point that i don't really care how far away that is there was still that connection there it just felt so close that's you know? great you had that experience yeah i mean this is where the dark rift documentary came from i mean all these myths about the dark rift which people now call the milky way which is a new term given to us but this dark rift has about 50 myths all around the world that say the same thing and if you think the milky way is you know trillions and trillions of miles away these myths are just nonsense but if this dark rift is like a thousand two thousand miles away these myths need re-looking at yeah, yeah. And I mean, they because they basically talk, I mean, you always hear about, at least I've heard it anyway, the, and I think you mentioned this in the documentary, like the rift, it's called a great rift or like a tear, meaning there was a rip or crack in the sky. And, you know, yeah. that almost, you know, I mean, like what it, whatever you take this as it is poetically, symbolically, whatever, but it's like almost like the sky cracking open and allowing man to fall, fall from the heavens, if you will. Take like I said, take that for what it is. But you know, poetically and symbolically, I like that a lot. You know, yeah, it's beautiful. It was it was fun to research. It was just amazing how many myths there are about this dark rift. And why would all these ancients, who we know were smart, they weren't they weren't primitive idiots like we're led to believe. Why mm -hmm. would they all write these myths? You know, if it wasn't true, myth always nearly always contains an element of truth in it. Mm -hmm. What it's very interesting. What, um, since obviously you've researched a bunch of these different religions and spiritual traditions and that sort of stuff, is there any one that you resonate with? I mean, I know you did the Vedic one, um, so I, and you went to India and that sort of stuff. Is there any one that you resonate a lot with, or have you just kind of dipped your toes in a bunch of different lakes there, or what? I, I weave and I go through different phases in my life. I was very deep into Hermeticism and Kabbalah. I still use, in a way, I've integrated a lot of that. At the moment, I mean, at the moment, I like some of the Vedic stuff. So I quite like the Agni Hotra, which comes from Vedic. I like some of these Vedic deities. So what, what I'll tend to do, my, I'll, I'll cruise along doing my thing, and then I'll be like, oh, I could do with the deity, and I'll just like, for what's going on in my life, I'll like pluck a deity out of the ether, and I'll go with that deity for a few weeks, then I'll thank it, and I'll let it go. And then I'll cruise along, and then a few weeks later or a few months later, there'll be another deity that will come to me, or that will, yeah, it'll just be like synchronistic. And I'll like, hey, let's go with this. But that's kind of hard to, hard for a lot of people to get their head around. But that's sort of the way I fly. <laughs> I mean, if it works for you, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, uh, yeah. I mean, isn't that part of I'm what? I'm a bit more. I'm a bit Vedic at the moment. I would say, yeah. Really. I'm going a bit more with the Vedic train, should we say? 
isn't that what like personal psychology isn't that what a lot of this stuff is to, to you i mean it obviously whatever spiritual tradition you look into study meditate upon you know ultimately becomes what is your relationship with it what is your sure. heart mind relationship with it so pretty, to me, pretty, yeah there are millions of humans saying this is the only deity that exists and all the others don't exist yeah, yeah. that for me is kind of dangerous and kind of strange and i can't take those people super seriously and it's a shame i mean i can take them seriously but to say there's only one deity and all the rest don't exist is kind of strange because i can show you i can show you the other deities exist they exist they exist yeah. in the astral you can call them and they can come you know you can give them worship and adoration and love or communicate and they can come you know and that's for real and that's for real you um you, you just mentioned comedy there like obviously I think you said that flat earth is kind of funny. Like we were just kind of talking about, it. I was like, at this point I'm kind of bored with it or whatever. Like now there's, I mean, I see a lot of humor in it when people, you know, like it's like you get Pavlovian responses, just like, you know, it's like somebody says, Oh, well, where's the edge if the earth is flat. And at this point I just kind of laugh, you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, there is a lot of humor in this too. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I did the flat earth rebel outpost comedy series and I'm it's still live. I've done a, you know, quite a few episodes and that's just been a, a, an outlet of comedy. That I've sort of kept away from the wakey wakey channel and that's just phoning up people like universities and pretending I'm a professor. It's like just having a right laugh. What did, what did we create? Flat earth hospital, flat earth ninjas, just having a real giggle in a sort of comedy sketch show. That's been like a fun creative outlet. It's complete silliness, but it's been a fun creative outlet because the moment we take ourselves too seriously, we're, you know, we're suffering. Yeah, I mean, I, I, in one respect, like, um, like a spiritual pursuit brings you back to that like childhood wonderment funny yeah. goofy state right i mean in many respects like a lot of people meet me and you know think that i'm like the necessarily the guy that's behind the you know what i mean and then i'll crack a dick joke or something like that and it's like oh that kind of threw me off you know but it's like at the yeah. same time that's you know that's who i am because it's it's actually helped me grow you know and sure we've got to have the inner child alive and vibrant yeah yeah yeah, because flat earth is funny. I mean, they've lied about where we live. I mean, that that's really, really funny. <laughs> I mean, it's tragic, but yes, I mean, you, you're funny too. People think they're on this spinning globe through space, and it's funny. Yeah, it's really funny. <laughs> so, okay, so we talked about, we you know we discussed where flat earth is now that sort of thing just in general besides you know beyond flat earth or you know including that as well but you know where do you know i kind of want to find solutions to some of this stuff like one of the reasons i actually stopped doing this podcast was because i was so honestly just fucking sick of people getting you know talking for hours and hours and hours and just talking about the same old kind of stuff and never really coming to any sort of solution so i was just kind of thinking like do you you know, as far as like moving ahead in humanity and like trying to help people out, is it just more getting information out? Is it more doing more videos and stuff like that? Because I think a lot of people genuinely want to help on the whole, but just don't know where to go. Yeah, it's it's hard. I mean, the the information thing, putting out videos and information is just one thing. I mean, someone could be, I mean, like yourself, someone could be a musician who just plays the guitar around a fire and that can really uplift people. I have people who come here to an off-grid space and people, their eyes open because they're like, wow, you can live without, without, you know, without the system. You can live without bills. Yeah, the water comes from the mountain, you know, and the power comes from the sun. And that helps people. So it's not, 
there's a lot of ways people can get triggered. Some people don't like videos and reading. Some people are triggered by, you know, a beautiful, open-hearted person singing a song. Some people are triggered by watching people live in nature. So there's different, there's different angles, there's different arrows to to fire, you know, different love arrows. Mm-hmm. And you know, creativity is the key, you know, whether it's video making or or music or you know, I think it's all about creativity. That's what really gets to people on a deep level. Creative awakening. Yeah, I think a creative life is directly connected to a spiritual life. You know, I mean, I think the more and more creative you are, the more and more you actually let out that 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 inner child that we were talking about, whatever. Yeah, yeah, loose, right? Totally. There are a lot of people on the spiritual path, and they're doing this course, this course, this course, reading this book, reading this book. (laughs) So they're purely on input, and that that's not too healthy because you should be a bit of input, some output, bit of input, some output. There's a lot of people just input, input, input. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 where they're at, and that's okay. But it's good to be creative. It's good to have output, even if you do, you know any sort of output, some sort of output. Mm-hmm. It's got to be balanced, you know, yeah. input and output. Yeah, I mean, if you don't harness that energy, creativity, and and har- and put it into an output, I think you're going to output something, but it's probably not going to be very positive. It's going to be yeah, possibly into something. Yeah. yeah, tantrum, anger tantrum. Yeah, it might explode as an anger tantrum. Yeah, oh. yeah, or slip into depression. Yeah, you, creative outlets needed for every human on the planet. But people, some people say, "Oh, I'm not creative." That's really a, not a great affirmation. Everyone's uh, yeah. creative. You just need to find that creative uh, spark and what train to use. You know. Yeah, you were created by a creator in creation. You're this, trust me, you're this, creative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is interesting with the flat Earth thing. Everyone's making videos, and I see it as maybe like this, like. Flat Earth is such an awakening for some people. It goes up the chakras to the throat chakra, and then people are like, I've got to communicate it. I've got to communicate it. So there are people who've created YouTube channels and just done Flat Earth videos. People who two years ago would never have dreamed of creating a YouTube channel. So it's very interesting how Flat Earth brought out so much creativity, mm-hmm. more than any other sort of genre in the truth movement. Yeah. Um, one, one, one quick thing I want to talk about. You you gave a speech um, locally somewhere there, right? Um about I did one Earth. in England. Yeah, yeah I did for, one in England a month or an two hour? ago. Yeah, it was an hour. Yeah. Yeah. How did that? How did that go over? Who would you talk about? Can you talk about that a little bit? And you yeah, have it up on your really site, good. and people can. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it, so I just kind of I, I kind of want to oh, direct thanks. people to it because you were just kind of sitting there, really calm, really relaxed, just kind of laying it out. You know, um, I, you did a much better job than I did with it. Let me just say that much. So. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was in England, small festival, uh, sort of festival for sort of homeschool families. So sort of halfway there anyway, a good bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And some flat earth people in England knew the people running the festival. They created a slot for us. Uh, some other flat earthers in England created a tent for children with uh, flat earth information. And I did a little hour talk and I just talked about, I call it ball globe, what do I call it? Spinning globes deconstruction. So mm-hmm. what I did, I just deconstructed the spinning globes in a very calm, rational way. And then I just talked a little bit about flat earth or true cosmology, I called it really. I'm actually, I really enjoyed it. It was a real challenge for me, public speaking. It was a good challenge for me, something I'm not comfortable with, but I, I enjoyed it. And I'm doing another one in Glastonbury in late November. So if anyone's interested in getting to Glastonbury late November, and because it's Glastonbury, I'm going to go a bit deeper. I'm going to call it flat earth and soul implications 
because I think that's a place where I can go a bit deeper into this subject and not I won't have to talk too much about uh, the globe and stuff. I think we can just hit the hit the ground running. What kind of response do you think you're going to get? Because the, the, as soon as I saw that video that you were up there talking, I was just like, oh, geez, I wonder, I wonder what the response was like of the audience. Because when I gave a speech. Was, yeah, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I didn't know about you and my – what happens when oh, you I, Yeah, I mean I just gave a speech – about it, and I, I mean, I didn't really cover a lot of the the topics. It was a bunch of other things that I was discussing too. So, um, you know, but people that the at the festival that I was speaking at, they had you know they had had some idea about it anyway. At least I thought they did. And so I came in, and I you know I'm pretty passionate when I speak. I try to be you know yeah. engaging and exciting and stuff like that. And I think I just really turned a bunch of people off. So, <laughs> so I'm gonna try a different approach next time. Let's just say that. So. But you still put the seed in there, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. You ruffle feathers. I mean, they were so ruffled that they got turned off. They weren't neutral, and that means you've done something, you know. It's you know it's true like you 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 know I guess I I don't think about it that way because obviously you know when you get a response that means that you charge somebody it's just you know it's like or or even if it's a negative response it doesn't necessarily mean bad I mean I think about like Dylan you know going electric at Newport you know at the time people were like oh this guy's a fucking asshole you know he's going like you know but then it sort of changed the face of music so I guess you know sometimes ruffling feathers is yeah good. you're right you're I right got, I got. Uh, some people said to me the other week in my last video, I said flat earth's like a modern day IQ test. And some people said to me, you shouldn't say that, Mark. You're upsetting people. My friend was upset. Da, da, da. And I was like, well, good. Because <laughs> it sort of ruffles feathers. And without without the friction, you know, you can't sharpen the sword without some friction. Yeah, you're not going to create the heat. That's true. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm doing, yeah, as I say, I'm doing another talk in Glastonbury. Uh just get a shield for all the tomatoes being thrown, really. But I actually welcome some hecklers because I've got some great memes to reply with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, good luck with that anyway. Yeah. yeah, thanks. I think in a year or two, I mean, a lot of festivals will possibly have a, you know, a little flat earth speaker or a little flat earth dome or something. I think it's going to be, it's going to grow and grow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I hope there's there's more festivals that do that, you know, because I mean, there, at least in the States, I mean, there's I, I mean, there are speakers that they could get, you know, um, so I don't yeah. know, we'll see. I just thought, what about places like Oregon and Sedona? I'm sure those places are quite open to some flat earth talks. Well, you might be wrong about that. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I, it is funny, though. I, we just, I mean, I, I was driving to work the other day, and someone had spray-painted a flat-earth militia on the, side of, on the side of this building. And I saw it, and I was just like, huh, that's pretty interesting. Because that's, you know, that's not just in YouTube comments anymore and that sort of thing. It's actually getting out to people. So as of right now, though, for, on the whole, you know, when I talk to people about it or I bring it up, it's, it's, it's mainly shunned. You either know it right away because somebody would be like, yeah, I'm flat earther too, man. Or like, oh, what are, how, the, how the cubby's doing, you know, kind of thing. You know? But, anyway. Yeah, it's it's. You don't get much grey with flat earth, do you? It's, no, you uh, don't. Yeah, yeah. So. You love it or hate it. <laughs> okay, so um, how do people find you? How do people get a hold of you, buy your books, that sort of thing? You want to give that info? Uh, it's wakeywakey.com, which is W-A-Y-K-I, W-A-Y-K-I. Uh, a lot of my stuff's there. And the YouTube channel's also wakeywakey, just youtube.com forward slash wakeywakey. Yeah, I think All that's... Right. That's where so, stuff is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, check it out. You got tons of videos too, right? I mean, you got 
Yeah, I did the the Essa Hoax series. Uh, I've done a few documentaries. Uh, yeah, I've been really enjoying it. It's really because cool. I've been writing for so many years to be able to put image and visual to writing is like wow this is like really cool you know? do you um do you have any other like books coming out or are you focusing on flat earth at all or are you just kind of focusing on videos right now a lot of things on the desk i mean i'm doing the talking glastonbury i might be doing some comedy stuff in america soon i want to do a documentary for 13 to 16 year olds i think this this age great age range there's nothing for them and they're getting hacked to bits by the elite this age group so I want to do like a quick hour documentary for 13 to 16 year olds. It's not just flat earth. It's basically like, here guys, you know, we're thinking of you too. Yeah, that's uh, cool. I'd like to do a, a fiction short story book based on flat earth, like science fiction book based on flat earth. Because there's a lot of science fiction books based on spinning globes in space. I think there's no science fiction books based on flat earth. So, I mean, you can talk of Ringworld and stuff, but that's more fantasy. It's conceptual fiction. Yeah, there's a lot on the desk, and it's really fun. Yeah, I'm really – there's a lot of projects I'd like to do. Cool. Yeah. And cool, yourself, man. Mike, what, what have you got? What, what um, are you up to? Well, I'm starting this po- – too much. <laughs> that's why <laughs> That's why I missed you last time because it was just – things were just piling up, and then I was I, was, yeah. I got sick and, like, work and all that stuff anyway. So, But, yeah, I mean, I got a book coming out. Um, working on some videos and I actually might I'm throwing around the idea of starting to actually just get up and start preaching teaching kind of thing next year just doing maybe a great presence on stage you've got great speaking great public speaking yeah thank you thank you go on go on your litmus test test video I've used a lot to copy to people because it's super well presented it's not silly it's very neutral really very rational it's a great video to send to people who are new to flat earth it really lays it out very good video so well done on that yeah I appreciate that so cool man um Great talking with you. Um, yeah, I would highly recommend listeners to uh, pick up Trinity of Wisdom. That's the book I've read, uh, Truth, Philosophy, and Hermetic Alchemical Kabbalah. You can get that on Amazon, and you have on your site as well, right? Yep, that's right. Okay, cool. Yeah, so check them out. Mark, thank you so much. Thanks, Molly, and well done for doing the podcast. Looks like a really good lineup you have. Well done. Cool. Peace, man. Thanks for listening, everybody. Our song tonight is called Stand Up, featuring Detail, and is from the band PB Underground, off their record by the same name, Stand Up. You can purchase their music at their site, pbug.co.uk. That's pbug.co.uk. And thanks to my friend Joe Sam for hooking me up with this track and helping me scout some killer music for this show. If you know of any musical guests that want to be featured on the show, just shoot me an email at martyleads33 at gmail.com. Coming up in the next few episodes of the Marty Leeds Mathematical Radio Hour, we will be speaking with Bitcoin guru Will Pangman, chemtrail and geoengineer researcher and activist Matthew Landman, and Truthstream Media's Melissa Melton and Aaron Dykes. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, remember, an opinion without pie is just an onion. Thanks. <laughs>